So, uh, well, uh, my name's Dana Cochran, and I'm the presenter of this one. I, some of you guys like are hardcore because you've been to the other two before this, right? Yes. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay, that's impressive. I, I don't know. You probably could teach me, but one more after. And one more after this. Well, that's great. Well. Um, I am on staff at People's Church, that's down in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, and I'm the pastor of uh, innovation, uh, so, uh, and what that means is that I kind of get to go to just different uh, ministry areas and just kind of see what's going on and help tweak and stuff like that. Right now, um, I am overseeing our what we call our guest experience team. I know some of you call it first impressions, some of you call it guest services, some of you call it hospitality, uh, but I, I'm you. So, uh, and uh, before that, I uh, was on staff at 30 years uh, for at uh, Vineyard Cincinnati. It's a non-denominational church in uh, Tri-County area. Uh, and so, uh, and since I was there from the, its inception, um, so Rita, I understand when you said, you know, when you step into something that's a church plant, you get to do all kinds of things. It actually started in my house with five people, and we grew to about 5,000. Um, so I've gotten to do a lot of things, and, uh, but part of that, yeah, take a handout. Uh, but part of that has been uh, hospitality, first impressions, that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, the thing that I love about most about People's Church uh, and why I uh, chose to attend there and then uh, come on staff was because there are incredibly multi-diverse uh, church. So we've got 33 nations represented at our church. Uh, it's beautiful. And, um, and it's something that was very, very intentionally done uh, by our lead pastor, Chris Beard. Because uh, he kind of, God came, gave him a vision uh, about having a church like heaven. And at that point, it was about 98% white. And so he intentionally started changing the culture. And so it's fabulous. And uh, I am on a steep learning curve uh, there, for sure. So uh, it's great. But uh, I want to talk about three things today. I kind of want to cover three topics. Uh, first of all, casting the vision uh, to your team and to your guests. And then building your team and training your team. So let me just pray and we'll kind of launch in, okay? So Lord, um, I thank you for this time with this group of people and I know that you have them here because they want people to feel welcomed and included and they want people to sense your love. So Father, would you equip us to do just that, to be your hands and feet, um, to say your words, to have your um, compassion and that we would see people the way you do. So we love you and we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, first and foremost, we need to cast the vision of an inclusive community. That's, and that's what this kind of topic is. It's how to create an inclusive church. So, um, so how do we uh, cast that vision for an inclusive culture? 
And first of all, as we cast that vision to the people that attend, honestly, it's going to start on your website. And you may not have uh, authority or power over the website. I do not. But you could look at your website through the eyes of a newcomer. And you could see on the website the picture and the things that, your pe that the people that are going to visit, because those are the people that are probably going to be attending your church, right? Or they're going to try to attend your, they might, you know, make an attempt. What are they seeing? If you're wanting a racially, generationally diverse church, then they're going to need to see that first on your website. And that they would feel welcomed and um, accepted there. And then funny as it sounds, um, what you need to think about what your people are seeing when they come on your parking lot. Because I, I don't know, but um, at least in the churches that I've been at, there are times that people drive into the parking lot and they sit in the car and they watch who's walking in your front doors. So they're, watch, they're, walking the people, they're watching the people that are coming, but they're also watching the people if you have parking lot attendants. They're going to be watching the people in your parking lot. Who are they? Are they all the same color, all the, all the same age? Um, they're going to look at the people that you have stationed at your front doors. Same thing. Are they all the same color? All the, are they all the same age? And if you want a diverse church, you're going to have to be very intentional about who you have in all the places of your church, not just on the stage, not just leading worship, not just speaking. It's important to have diversity throughout your whole church in, the, in your volunteer roles. So I remember, um, it was multiple years ago, uh, when I was on staff at the Vineyard, uh, I, there was a, a new guy, a new hire, and uh, our first staff meeting, he comes in and he hooks up his video camera and says, uh, I want to show you what people see when they come in. So he, it was so creative and it was so eye-opening because bottom line is, is when you are, when you've been at a church for any length of time, right, all of a sudden you don't see things like a newcomer sees things anymore. It's just normal to you. And so he brought this video camera and just said, okay, and he, I mean, little things like, okay, this is what people see with your volunteers. This is what people see on your signage. This is what looks weird, you know, and it was just so different. And so can I challenge you this weekend, when you step into your church, actually, when you drive into your parking lot, would you go about it in a different way? And would you just think, okay, I'm going to try to look through this as if this was the first time I've ever stopped, stepped onto this property, onto your campus. And see what God points out to you. You know, ask the Holy Spirit. Um, show me, Lord, what people are experiencing when they come on our campus. And it, it will be just a great thing that God will begin to speak to you and show you about. And then you need to cast the vision of a church like heaven to your team. They need to see the bigger picture and the guiding principles. And so one of our guiding principles at People's Church is the story of the prodigal son. Do you mind if I just take a moment and read those scriptures to you? I guess it doesn't matter if you mind because I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> FYI. But I thought I should ask to make you feel like you have control. Um, 
Okay, so it's, it's the parables found in Luke 15, right? And it says, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his census, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set, back, set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Well, I like to encourage uh, my team, our team, to insert themselves in that parable. See, I want them to look through both the eyes of the son and of the son's father. So... Let's do that for a minute. Can you, can you play along with me here? Um, so I want you to imagine, first of all, that you're the son and that you've been away. That whole thing just played out in your life. You went and you got the inheritance. You left um, on the top of, top of the world. And uh, you've made probably some choices that maybe weren't the smartest. Um, a lot of the same choices that uh, our new NFL players make, right? They have this huge amount of money, and then they squander it. And, uh, yeah, there actually are statistics on that. Um, <laughs> so, but let's think you, you do that, and you realize that you're starving, and you decide to come home. So imagine yourself walking home. Imagine that you see your father's house. What are some of the feelings and thoughts that you would be thinking as you approached his house. He doesn't want to see me. I'm sorry? He doesn't want to see me. The father doesn't want to see me. He's going to be mad at me. I'm sorry? Re I'm, will he reject me? Right. Shame. Guilt. Anything else? I'd be a little afraid, I think. Nervous. Yeah. Nervous. Yeah, I'd be real nervous. Just to make that initial contact. What is he going to say to me, right? Feel he's selfish because he wanted everything that, that belonged to him. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Just guilty about that. Wow. Yeah. I think all those things. Yes. I would be feeling, if I were that son, I would definitely be feeling all those feelings that you expressed. Now, let's put ourselves 
in the, in the place in the, in the shoes of the father. And I want you to imagine that your son took all that, took his, his inheritance, asked for it early, took it with him, moved really far away. You, in fact, you haven't heard from him. You don't actually know what did he do? Where is he living? Is he still alive? Is he okay? I don't know, right? I don't know where my son is. And there's this thought that keeps coming back, will, will I ever see him again? And even though it's so silly, because he's gone and you know he has money, or he had money when he left, for some reason you go to your front door every day and you go out onto your porch and you look out and you, you pray for him. Of course, right? Who, who of us that our child was gone and we hadn't heard or seen from him you know, we would all be praying for him, right? Or her. And then, um, and you keep going every day and just kind of look out in the horizon. And one day, you go to the front of your house and you see, uh, you can see somebody approaching. And they're really far. They just look like a speck at first. But you see they still come. And the closer they come, all of a sudden you think, gosh, that looks like my son. Oh, oh, oh my gosh, that is, that's my son. Where has he been? And at that moment, honestly, you don't even care where he's been. If you've ever lost your kid in a store or anything like this, right? You don't care where, what he's, where he's been. You don't care what he's done. <laughs> You're just like, oh my gosh. And you run out to meet him. And it's like, don't, you know, and you, I can imagine if I were the son, I would have started fumbling over my words because I've, I've rehearsed for the last, you know, half a mile walking to my father's house what the first words I was going to say and what I was going to tell him and how I was going to explain myself. But honestly, with your father, you're like, I don't care. You, no, don't say a thing. It doesn't matter that the past is past. All I care about is that you're home and that you're here and that you're safe. And I'm so happy. Do you know I've been waiting for you? Do you know I've been praying for you every day? And I am just so glad you're home. It's, it's been the dream of my heart. It's been my only prayer that you would come home. And I love that verse 20 says, But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And it just didn't matter. Well, you know what? That's what I want my team to get a grasp of. That's what I want every guest experience team member to think, first of all, the people that walk through our doors, we have no idea what they have been through doesn't matter how nicely dressed they are and if they have that big smile on their face it doesn't matter because you know if you're like me I've I've put that smile on my face and walked through places when I've been a wreck so we don't know what any person that comes to us has been through we don't know what they're experiencing we don't know their past we don't know the thoughts they were thinking. They could have been thinking the same thoughts, right? Will they accept me here? Will there be anybody that looks like me? Will they know? 
Will they know what I've been doing and where I've been? And if they find out, will they let me stay? And then I want them to have the heart of the Father. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how long that you've been gone. I'm just, we're just so glad you're here. And do you know that we've been praying that you would come? And that we've been looking out all morning or all evening if you have a Saturday night service. And we've been looking and waiting for you, hoping that you would trust us enough to, to come and see what it's like. If we can instill that kind of guiding principle into our folks, it changes the things that can seem a little bit task-oriented and sometimes a little bit mundane. Hi. Um, handing out bulletins, making a cup of coffee, opening the door, that kind of thing. It, can, it changes it into the most spiritual activity because you and your team all of a sudden become the father who is welcoming their kids back home. Does that make sense? When I talk about it, I get so excited. Does that, make, does that resonate? Does that, does that make you excited? And the idea is if we can plant that kind of heart, if we can instill and cast that kind of vision into our teams, it changes the atmosphere. It changes the environment. And it changes the way our, our team will relate to our guests. So it is incredibly important to cast vision again and again to our, our hospitality team. So after we've cast the vision, and hopefully the guests are experiencing that and feeling that, we need to create our team. And if you're like me, there have been times that a warm body will do. Right? Are you breathing? Okay, good. Could you stand at this door right here? <laughs> right? But those days really should be over. Because if that's what we're wanting, a warm body, and I'm not saying there are still times that I put a warm body in, in places, right? Because I just need somebody to be at that door. But, but if I keep with that mindset, I'm not going to build the team that would be the best team. Do you know what I mean? And so I have to be intentional. Um, and so I have to think about what kind of church are we building? And, and for each person in this room, it will be different. But for us at People's Church, we are building a diverse church. And so like I said before, it's not as easy because all of a sudden, right, you think, oh, I can't just put a warm body. Or, um, or I can't just put a white warm body. I, I, there is a white person, a wonderful team member, and alongside that white person, I need to put a person whose skin is a little bit different color because that's the church I'm trying to build. And, oh my gosh, we're building a new extend part of our ministry. It's called extend. And extend ministry is for um, people with special needs or disabilities. 
And so if that's going to be important, I'm going to need to recruit people that have special needs and, um, and disabilities to be on my team. Because I want people from up front to say, A, you're welcome, and B, you're needed. And so, again, it makes it more challenging, for sure. But the rewards are huge. So the most effective way of building a team is by personal invitation. And there's a wonderful book by a gentleman named Michael Fletcher. It's called Empowering Leadership. And he talks, he talks about personal invitation is shoulder tapping. So right now at People's Church, we're trying to develop um, a training for shoulder tapping. And um, with hopes to roll that out to our staff and our key leaders so that they can begin shoulder tapping too. So I thought I might lead you through this process real um, quickly. I hope quickly. Okay, still got I think. Um, so, and I think I have the steps down there for you. So, step one. Identify the specific role the ministry needs to fill and the ideal servant leader for the role. So, actually, I, I want you to participate in this. Um, so, I want you to think right now. Uh, and you won't have to participate out loud. It'll be something you just write down in those spaces. So right now, I want you to think about a ministry role that you need on your, on your team. I don't know if all of you, if all of you are guest services or first impressions or, you know, whatever you call yourself, then this will be great. So think about a role right now that tomorrow when you walk in, you know you'd like to fill that role. Unless you guys have excess, excess volunteers, and then you can send them to People's Church because we need more people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, think think about it in your mind, and then on that little space there, would you bullet point some of the quali the key qualities that you would need them to have? What are some of the qualities? And it could be, you know, uh, just characteristics. It could be, yeah, anything. Like just what everything could be. Person of color could be a person that has special needs. So. Write down some, some key bullet points. Okay, now step two, let's just take a moment and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit just to bring people to mind, to people to your mind or across your path from all parts of the body who would be a great fit. So let's just do that for a second. Let's just kind of offer that up. Lord, you know, you know the places and the roles that we need filled. Father, you said... The harvest is ripe, but the workers are few, Lord. So pray that you would send workers into the harvest. So, Father, right now, I just ask uh, that you would bring to mind some people, a person, that we could ask, that we could intentionally shoulder tap, 
Or Father, if there's nobody that comes to mind, would you just continue to dis- give us a description of that person that would fit in that role, Lord? And if there's somebody that comes to mind, write it down. I was mentioning that um, our, you know, our church is starting an extend ministry for those with special needs, disabilities, um, and I know this one guy, uh, Robert Harris. He's just, uh, he's amazing. He's uh, an artist, and he is got the best smile in the world. So friendly, lights up the place, and he is confined to a wheelchair. I think he had, if I remember correctly, I think he had polio as a child or something like that. It was something like that. Um, and, and I've been thinking about him lately. I need to invite him onto the team, and I need to put him at, at maybe, I don't know, maybe he would enjoy being uh, one of our greeters at the front door, or maybe as we go into the sanctuary, maybe that'd be a perfect place because he could ha- hand out bulletins to people and give them this best smile in the world that he has. But I haven't invited him yet. So I, as I was thinking about this, I think, okay, I need to, I need to invite um, Mr. Harris and see if he would join our team because that, that would bless our congregation and hopefully it would bless him too. Was there anybody else that, was there people that God brought to mind as you asked the Holy Spirit? Okay. So, I want, so let's go to step three. Um, so as you meet those potential, as you wrote those peop, people's names down, it's the Holy Spirit. And I literally will ask people, like I'll ask the Lord, okay, Lord, would you highlight somebody to me today? Because see, what, we can, what can happen to us is if we're leading that ministry, is some, sometimes we just get sucked in the task part of it. Really, we should be doing, we should be spending less and less time doing the task and more and more time doing the recruiting, right? That's where the bulk of our time should be spent, is helping identify people that could be part of your team. I get sucked in. That's when you're doing the um, urgent instead of the important, right? And, I, 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 and I'm a doer, so I've got like two two strikes against me, right? Um, I, I can tend to do the urgent instead of the important, and, I can, and I'm a doer, and so sometimes I just would prefer to do it myself. And honestly, most of the time, it's easier for me to do it myself than to ask somebody else because asking takes the time to identify a person. It takes the time to train a person. It takes the time to give feedback. 
You know what I mean? So it takes more time. And sometimes I think it's just easier to do it myself. But it doesn't expand the ministry. I'm being short-sighted when I think like that. That's not how God wants me to think. And I'm robbing people from the blessing that has, that if they have these um, capabilities and these passions and talents, if I'm not inviting them and calling them out, I am doing them a disservice to the kingdom of God. Right? So, and step three, you think about those potential team members and then you begin to engage them in conversation. And one of the things that you let them, you do is you let them know the qualities and characteristics you see in them. So you can just ask questions like, what kind of things do you like doing? Because again, we don't want to do warm bodies. We want to do something that's calling out God's best in them, what God's created them to do. So we don't want them opening a door if they hate people. Uh, you know, if they're like, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I used to lead children's ministry for a while because they needed it and I stepped in and did it. I don't like kids. That was a problem. But actually, it, I, I could turn it around because I realized that I don't have to like kids. I, I, I have to myself. I'm really not that bad of a person. But what I did realize is that all I needed to do is identify people that loved kids. And so I learned, to, I learned that if a, some, if a parent came in a room or a, a, an adult came in the room and there were little kids there and that adult got down on their level like this and had an eye-to-eye -eye conversation, they got something about kids that I didn't. And they'd be some of the first people that I would ask. And then I realized I could still stay in my strength of leading adults because I just had to identify those people that loved kids and then I, had to, I just had to lead them. And so it was a win. I, all three years, my pastor asked me if I would do it for three months, which ended up being three years. Um, and I never hurt a child the whole time. So yes, way to go. It's dangerous for this to be taped, isn't it? Um, anyway. But, so what kinds of things do you enjoy doing? What is the greatest and most consistent thing you feel that God is speaking to your heart at this time? Hopefully understanding what are their, what are their passions? What's God stirring in their heart? If you could do anything for an afternoon and then wish it wouldn't end, what would it be? Right? That's a great question to ask, to let them know, oh, what fills their bucket? Right? Um, what serving roles have you done in the past? Which of those roles have you most enjoyed? What part of that role seems to best utilize your gifts, passions, and talents? And then did you know I see these qualities in you? And then start to tell them the qualities that you see. I've noticed that there is, you, it seems like around you there are no strangers. I see you talking to everybody and having conversations with so many different kind of people and you just seem like you love it. Okay, that's a clue. That might be a great person for my guest experience team. So those kind of things, you call out the qualities in them. And even then, if they say no, it's all right because you know what you've done? You've encouraged them. And everybody likes to be encouraged and everybody likes to be invited. They might not all say yes, but they want to be included. Right? So what those any of the, any of you that had a person that came to mind 
um, when, when, we, when we prayed. Maybe just, let's take a couple minutes and write down the qualities that you can call out in them when you see them next. Are there any qualities that come to mind that you could call out in them? And then step four, if you believe that they're going to be a good fit after you're starting to have a conversation with them, invite them to participate in a one or two time serving experience. No strings attached. Um, we call those first serves. Would you just come? I see this, these qualities in you. I would love for you to at least consider being on a team. No commitment at this point. Would you just come and try it out? I like to do a, have them do it at least two times because, you know, the first time could just be a fluke. I, it was so funny. There, um, at the vineyard, there was this one lady. And sorry, my, a lot of my stories are from the vineyard. It's just that I served there for 30 years, and I've only been at People's for a year and a half. So that's, um, that's why. But anyway, at the vineyard, um, there was a lady that decided she wanted to be on the guest experience team, but she was pretty nervous about that because she is more of an introvert, and she was afraid, what if they ask me a question that I don't know? You know, like, I won't know how to answer, or, I, or they come with something that I don't, I don't know what I should do. <laughs> and the first time she served, somebody came up to her and told her that, that they had been contemplating suicide. <laughs> so it was just like, no! Yeah, so she, it, they, she went to a pastor and, and it was taken care of, you know, they had a good conversation, but it was kind of funny. So that's why I say, have them do it a couple times, you know what I mean? Because that first time could just be a fluke. But, um, and I'm so glad she did uh, do that. So, um, and uh, as, as they're doing that, observe their enjoyment level as well as calling out the things that they are excelling at relative to that role. So... Um, just encourage them. And then, if they did enjoy the experience, so then after you've had them try it a, week, a time or two, just have, come back and say, what did you think about that? How did that role seem to fit? Um, did you enjoy it? Would you want to try it again? Uh, would you consider now being on a team? And then you can, and you also can ask them a little bit more if you want to know more about their spiritual journey. Um, you could share with them the dis the role description, uh, the the you know the the qualities and the time commitments and things like that that are involved, and then ask them to consider and pray about becoming part of the team, and then invite them to share with you any in their network that they might they they might think would enjoy serving. Okay, any questions, thoughts, wonderings about that? Yes. Yeah, I think that's great, yes. Um, we usually ask, you know, hey, we'd love for you to, I, I usually do an A and B team every other week. Um, that really provides consistency, and it also helps us build together as a team. Um, and then I ask them to, I, I'd love for you to commit to six months or a year, you know, because then six months, if you do that, what, that's only 12 times, basically, you know. So I, I feel like that's easy. You know, that's not too much. Good question. Thank you. Any other questions? Okay, so once, as you're building your team, the other thing that you need to do is you need to train your team. 
Um, and it's super, super important to have specific training for each of the roles that you have because sometimes what we do is this. Oh, great, you want to do it? Okay, great, thanks. Okay, now you can be on this team. Do it every other week. Okay, see you later, thanks. I'll check back in a year. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, we just kind of throw them into the frying pan and let it go. But the mistake that we make on that is that somehow we believe um, often that the things that come naturally to us come naturally to everybody else. That is not the case. I had this one guy, I, and that's when I started actually thinking, I need specific training. Because for some reason, it felt like he was always scowling at people. Welcome. You know, I'm going, oh, that's really nice. You know what I mean? Um, but why aren't you smiling? Well, somehow that wasn't natural to him. Smiling was not natural. Um, I think it was something that I kind of inherited when I came into the role. I'm going, wow, what is this? You know, but you just got to think about that. We think that this being friendly and kind and, and accommodating and is normal for everybody. It really isn't. But they, a lot of people can be trained in that way. And so... Um, and it also, I, why specific training is important. Have you guys been in that situation where you see somebody doing something that you don't really like over and over again, but you feel like you don't know how to approach them about it? So then you think, okay, well, I'm just going to talk about that thing to the whole group. You know what I mean? And then maybe that person will catch on. <laughs> usually doesn't, <laughs> at least in my experience. But if you have specific training, then it gives you a baseline from which you can give feedback. And so part of the training includes the idea that they are going to receive feedback. And that feedback is actually a great thing. It's not a negative thing. It's a thing that's going to help them be the very best that they can be. And so I, if we set that expectation up front, then it just makes it more natural. And you know what? I always, like right now, I'm, I'm also working as a, a server at a restaurant. I, I decided to do that because I had been in church world for so long that I felt like I didn't really get to be around those that don't yet know Christ. And so I decided I'm just going to do something that I know that I everybody eats. They don't need to know Jesus to eat. Um, and so, and so, uh, so I'm working at this restaurant. Well, yesterday, I'm, I'm actually, I, I was training a new girl, a new woman. And, um, and this woman was actually an owner-operator of a restaurant before, but just the owning-operating thing got too much, so she decided she just wanted to actually come somewhere and serve. So she's come to our restaurant, and uh, so I got the privilege of being able to do training with her yesterday. Um, but when I found out who she was, and, and when I found and when I saw her do it, she is amazing. I don't, I, when our, my assistant manager or my general manager did had a great hire, I'll tell you, she's going to be fabulous. Um, but then as I was going over some of the training stuff, and I was giving her feedback on specific things that I noticed that she did really well, I said, and you know what, you're really good at this, so would you give me feedback too? Is there things that I should be doing different as I greet my guests or as I'm just doing the, you know, the technical stuff of being a server? And so if you build a culture of not only giving feedback but receiving feedback, 
And I can remember one time um, also I, I had this, I had a team meeting with some of my, my team lead, my key leaders, uh, my top leaders in my hospitality ministry. And, uh, and I said, hey, I would love to have some feedback from you guys of things I could do better. And one of my teammates, actually a couple of my teammates, one of my teammates said it and a couple agreed. They said, Dana, you know what? When you come, sometimes on Sunday morning, you get in this frame, this mindset that you're just like, you're walking fast and you don't have time for anybody because I'm thinking about the task that needs to be done next and is this person being cared for and that be, and they said, so it, it, it kind of is like a negative energy. It's not, it's not pastoral. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good. It makes us feel uptight when you're uptight. I'm all, oh my gosh. I, I, as soon as they said it, I knew what they were talking about. I knew that feel like, I know that feel. I know what you're talking about, right? I didn't know it was that having that kind of effect on you. Thank you for telling me that. And so there's been times that I'm running around, you know, and I, oh, that's right. <sighs> be with the people. I'm not, I'm not the hinge pin that this whole thing is going to work on. Is that the right word? Hinge pin? That's not. Lynch, lynch pin. I always get those things wrong. Thank you. Um, I, I'm not. It, this is Jesus' thing. And so, anyway. So, anyway, all that to say, a culture of feedback is great. Um, so, I, I gave you on the last page, I think, Yes, I gave you two examples of um, of feed of uh, we call it key key skill training or key activity training. So this is greeting at people's church, and then um, connectors. Connectors are so our greeters are the people that stand at the front door in our system. Um, connectors are the people that we hand them off to if they need to get somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're a new person. So um, I wanted to call them escorts, but that has some very <laughs> negative connotations. I thought, no, that's not going to work. We need to change our word here. Um, uh, but so, and, and they're the people that will take them around the building, because our building is very complex, actually. It's got three or four different floors, and it's just like, oh my gosh. So um, it's important. Um, and when I'm doing key activity training, or a key skill training, I'm thinking about not only tell people what to do, but it's just as important to tell them why we're doing it. So I'll give you an example. Do you, have you ever had team members that they really like each other and they're working together, they're both working at the front doors, right? And all of a sudden they engage in conversation. Oh, I haven't seen you for two weeks. I want to tell you everything that just happened. And by this time, people are walking through the doors. They're not paying any attention because they're so engaged in each other. Right? Do you guys have that? Yeah. Ah, makes me crazy. You don't schedule them together. Oh, good. That's good. That's really good. Um, but, so what I tell them is, you know what? I love that you guys are friends. I love that we've built this kind of community amongst each other, that we want to share lives. That is fabulous. And when somebody walks the door, I want you to stop the conversation, and I want you to greet that person. Because again, 
were the father of the prodigal son. Because how do you feel when you walk up and somebody else is engaged in conversation? It's, you feel like you don't belong and that they're having a private conversation that you can't interrupt. So it's not a welcoming feeling at all. And so I tell them, not only I don't want you to have conversation, but why? And help them understand what it feels like and why it's important. Okay? Does that make sense? So, not only what to do, but the principle behind it. So, um, so for example, uh, on the greeting at People's Church, uh, I put a scripture there because I want them to think again that this is a, a, this is a spiritual activity. So wait expectantly for our guests. Remember the story of the prodigal son. The father was watching the horizon, waiting for his son to return. We, in the same way, are waiting for our guests to return home. Pray silently. Ask God to give you a heart for the guests and let that feeling shine through in your greeting. Be approachable and welcoming. Avoid facing other team members and holding a conversation. We never want a guest to feel like they are interrupting a conversation we are having with another team member. Focus on guests who are present and arriving. Body language should be welcoming, chest squared to the guest, arms uncrossed, make eye contact and smile. So again, as specific as possible, um, greet the guest. A short greeting is all that's required. Good morning, welcome, hi there are all sufficient to help the person feel wel God's welcoming presence. Hold the doors open for the guests. When possible, close door between guests. Have you had greeters at your front door that it's minus seven below, you know, yeah. right? Yeah? And they're holding the door open and everybody else is freezing? Well, okay. In the wintertime, you actually stand on the inside of the door and come out, you know what I mean? And then in the summertime and the springtime when it's beautiful, stand outside and open and close. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be that specific, but sometimes that's the suggestions that I make. And notice if a guest looks new or lost. Offer to help by saying, can I help you find anything? Never just give directions to their destination. Take them to a Connections team member or as, um, so they can be personally escorted, uh, oops, there's a word, or escort them yourself. Uh, stay in your location until at least 15 minutes into the service. Uh, even if guests are running late, we want them to feel welcomed. Return to your signed area at the end of the service and tell people goodbye and have a great week. The last impression is as important as the first impression. And pay attention to the guests as they're leaving. If they need help, introduce them to a connection team member who can provide relevant information. So, um, so something that simple, breaking it down, but specific, is really, really helpful. I, and I just gave you two different kinds if that would be helpful to you. So uh, three important things is we're creating a diverse team uh, and a diverse church. Uh, vision casting. Intentionally creating a diverse team by shoulder tapping. And offering your diverse team specific training that includes skills that take into consideration a diverse culture. So even on that team, as you're, as you're um, developing stuff like this, it's important even to have, if, if your church is diverse, then it's important to have diversity on that planning team because some people, cultural norms are really important. 
And so um, you need to take that into consideration as you're developing your training. So, so that's all that I have to say. Any questions or comments, please? I know Pastor Chris and his heart is that his church looks like heaven. Mm -hmm. So how do you have a diverse congregation serving and you want a mixed look, but then also you have maybe talented people. And so the majority of you know whites or blacks or Hispanics, and then do you sacrifice maybe the talent to get a diversity? And then how do you make sure everybody sees heaven and then it's, or just the best person does the job, whether it's worship band or... Sure, uh, yeah, and it's, it's probably a both and. Okay kind of thing. You know, I'm not sure if I could give you a straight up answer, but you hold both of those in tension for sure. Um, and, and then you just, usually there's different kinds of roles on your team. And so there's certain things that you might say, that person's really good for this role on our team, but maybe not on that role for our team. Whatever, you know, whatever their skin color. It is major. It it is, and and honestly, you know, um, Vineyard was. I mean, we have a somewhat diverse population, but nothing as intentional as Chris. So that's why I said I'm really on a steep learning curve, and a lot of stuff like, and especially in the first, you know, six or eight months as I was writ, as I've like written up trainings or proposals or stuff like that, it almost comes always comes back, and he has inserts a diverse blah, 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 blah team. I'm going, oh, that's right. That's right. This, this isn't thing, something that I kept on my radar. And so now it has to be on my radar. So even like, um, so the worship band is always diverse, but they even think about like, okay, um, the worship band, worship leader, uh, African-American. Now the next person that's going to come up is going to be, uh, we have a prayer time. And then we have uh, a ministry moment time. And then we have this, this, the pastor, the speaker, whoever's speaking that day. They're very intentional about women, men, black, white. And so they're, uh, you know, they, they will try to not have three white people come up at the same, in, 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 ro in a row. Um, and women are very, like, some, like there's been a couple times, because we always have like a sermon debrief afterwards uh, and not a sermon uh, service sorry service planning debrief you know and I'll say hey I noticed that everybody in communion that served communion this week was a male oh my golly okay that was bad you know what I mean um, or they were all old so like we've just gone to our student ministries <laughs> they're all my age yeah or you know and so because generational diversity is very important to us too um, and so because we think it's beautiful you know and we don't want all young people and we don't want all old people so I recently just went to our student ministries because we're lacking people they were lacking youth um, and so I've got six, six new young people that are going to come and we're going to train them and they're going to go through the same training um, so that we'll have more young people did that answer? Okay. any other questions, comments? yes ma'am so in the you're talking about the, the shoulder touching, which mm -hmm. is which is great. Like everyone, no matter what size church, you, you can everyone can go out and you know have these individual conversations. Um, do you have anything that maybe is a little more like, or have you heard of anything more like systematized? Like let's say we get 20 new people in a room, they all want to serve, 
Um, it just we happen to have them. Are there like personality tests that seem to be working right now, or like ways to find out more about them that maybe because you can't have that one-on-one -on -one with everyone. Uh -huh. Still like learning their gifts, helping them see them for who they are, that kind of thing. Right. Great question. Uh, you know, we used to have. Uh, at the vineyard, we would have very big volunteer fairs. Honestly, they weren't all that successful to us, um, in my opinion. Uh, they didn't have long-range you know, stick-to-itness, and, and sometimes we're just putting... So um, you could always use like a Myers-Briggs or something like that, or a DISC assessment. But I think just one-on-one -on -one conversations. I, I think there's at some point you have to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So. Um, I still think the individual invitation um, is the best way to do it, um, the most effective way. So, sorry, I don't, I don't have a silver, silver bullet on that one. Yes, ma'am. We do this assessment as part of like a starting point class. Uh huh. Yes, we do too. And we say, hey, if you want to serve, here's an opportunity for you. This is what we have laid out, and then. So many times, though, even though they do that assessment, personality test, it takes that conversation. Hey, I know this is about you. You're very friendly. You're very open. You know, like, so it's a combination. Yeah. I think, you know, kind of fill your people out a little bit. Yeah, and we did. We have a, a newcomers uh, class. We call it inclusion. And so it's same thing. We take the disc and and you know and so and we we then we like bring in all the different ministry areas and let them share, and then people can say yes if they want to. But then still, it's then going and having those things. Mm -hmm. Yes. So do y'all uh, use the uh, trend of belong before you believe? Uh, tell me more about that. Belong before you believe. Oh, you mean that they don't have to be believers right. they before? They don't have to be a member before they can serve. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yes. So, what? Where's the boundary for that when it comes to? Yeah, I think when you're if you're asking somebody to go into leadership, I can. I, I, again, I'm still pretty new to peoples, and so, uh, but in my experience, just over, you know over my years of uh, ministry experience. Uh, to me, if they're going to go into leadership, then that's when you need to say, um, let's talk about membership. How long do they, they get to be in the, the long believe position? What's the expectation for them to move into the believing? Well, so for, at least in my opinion, and this is my opinion, um, especially in hospitality, it's a great front door. So I will let people be in there a lot longer that might not even be believers. Um, so I know that might frighten some of you guys, but um, but that's how we get to know people and get to bring people to Christ. So so in hospitality in particular, I'd let them not. You know, they don't have to belong. In my opinion, but Chris may say different. So you didn't hear that from me. Are they assigned then to a believer who will? kind of mentor them towards mm. that decision? That's a great idea. We don't have that program existing right now, but that's, that's a great idea. 
Um, okay, it's 2 o'clock. Um, can I just pray over us right now really quick? and then Okay, so Lord, thank you uh, for this time. Father, I ask that you bring people to each one of these people in here, that you give them vision, that you would give them the words to say, and that, Father, that their ministry areas would be full of the Holy Spirit with amazing people on their teams. Um, give us every tool that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, thank you.